What's up, everyone? Happy Friday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, the only daily NFL podcast in the entire known universe, as far as I am aware, or as far as you are aware. Uh, subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Google Play. I think it's on Spotify now. Wherever you get your podcast, it drops in your inbox by 6 a.m. every morning. Make sure to check out our uh, our Twitter feed, too, at Pick6Pod. They do a weekly smack chat that the social team puts together. They ask me my input, too, for like a joke every every week just to make me feel good. But they're pretty funny stuff. Uh, I highly recommend following there. They're doing a great job with that. I also recommend checking out Brian McFadden. On, uh, on the, it's with the season, the 2008 Steelers. Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, breaking down the, the 2008 Steelers and, and everything about it. We'll talk more about that in a second. BMAC, um, what did you think about, about follow him on Twitter at BMAC under, uh, is it, is it BMAC underscore sports talk? Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, it's, sir. Sports it's, talk. It's been two weeks and I, it's been two weeks since we talked because we didn't do a Thanksgiving episode. I assume you weren't waiting around for me to call you on Thanksgiving, right? Well, I, I, I kind of was in between meals. I felt oh. like, you know, <laughs> potentially you might sneak a podcast in, you know, between uh, uh, intermission as far as going back for seconds. Uh, during Thanksgiving, but I think, I think you forgot about me, Will. <laughs> no, it's no, safe to I, say you forgot about I, me. I, I did, I, I really do feel bad because I, I meant to text you and be like, hey, um, we don't, we don't need the podcast. And, and like, I think I blacked out on all my food and then, <laughs> and then got a couple of beers deep and all of a sudden had just, uh, you know, the, the whole thing turned into a mess. At any rate, uh, follow him, follow BMAC on Twitter. Um, you can watch, uh, BMAC on, on, uh, on CBS Sports HQ, cbssports.com slash live. And, uh, you can also watch Pete Prisco there. He and RJ White will be on shortly to make picks. Let's dive into the Saints. And Cowboys game, a game that came out as the Saints as seven and a half point road favorites and with an over under of 51 and a half. It dropped three points uh, before closing at 51 and a half and it finished way under and the Cowboys won outright winning 13 to 10 on Thursday night. And what, what Brian, I think was an awesome game. Like it wasn't Chiefs Rams, but that was a really good game. And I mean, here's my first question to you. Are the Cowboys legit? They can be. I still have my concerns offensively, mm-hmm. but with their defense, and I'm a firm believer, defense can win you conference, uh, uh, divisional championships, conference championships, and okay, Super Bowls. And I'm not saying that they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they have an opportunity to get into the playoff hunt, get into the tournament based on their defense. And also, two fans, listeners. Close, low, low scoring ball games can be entertaining also. And like Will just said, a 13 to 10 ball game was extremely entertaining from start to finish. And I'm a defensive guy, so I feel some type of way when fans, they want to see these high scoring type ball games going back and forth, uh, quarterbacks throwing the ball up and down the football field. You can be entertained when you look at a defensive effort. And that's what we saw Thursday night. Hey, all right, let me ask you this. Um, and I, I'm, I'm trying to look right now. I, I don't think you made the playoffs in 06. Um, you, have you, did you ever go into the playoffs as a member of the Steelers or the Cardinals, whatever it was? Did you ever get in the playoffs and think we're not a Super Bowl team? Cause I, I always assume like if you get in the tournament, you feel like you got a chance to win, right? Or was there ever a time uh, where, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, you know what? No, there, I, I, I played, what, seven years and missed the playoffs one one time in my NFL career. And every time we got into the playoffs, you felt like you had a shot. Uh, and, and, and I think 
what gave me that belief was my rookie year when we got into the playoffs as a six seed and we became the first six seed to ever win a championship. Mm. And when we got into the tournament, it was very, very important for us to go into the playoffs riding high because we needed to win our last three ball games. So the, the week, what, 14th, I think it was, uh, it was 14th because uh, you have yes, a bye week. You are correct. It was week 14th. Yeah, week 14th was a game seven for us. We could not afford to lose any more ball games with our hopes of getting to the playoffs. So we were already in playoff mode by the time the first round started. So that's why I said what I said earlier with the Cowboys. If they can get into the tournament, and oh, by the way, if they win that division, guess what? They will have a home playoff game. That defense can be extremely good. And they are they are good. And they can really lead this ball club to make a huge, significant run, in my opinion, because we've seen that time and time again in playoff football with quality defenses. And the job they did tonight against one of the more explosive offenses in the league, one of the more balanced offenses in the league, one of the more consistent quarterbacks in the league, they literally shut the Saints down. And when the Saints defense made a play, Oh, by the way, they had a heck of a game. They had seven sacks on a mobile quarterback in that Prescott. So the Saints defense was was throwing blows also. But the Cowboys defense made one more play. Yeah, no, you're right. Look, the Cow- I mean, on a on a macro level, just looking at the bigger picture, I do wonder, and I want to ask you about some some individual guys in the Cowboys defense. Um, but how how big of an impact is it from a mindset perspective when you I mean the Saints were ten and one coming in right they're the best team in football they come into Dallas they're seven and a half point favorites nobody's given the the the, the Cowboys a chance and if you're Dallas and you win that game doesn't it change your mindset where you say hey look we can we we can beat anybody like if we you know if we're hosting a playoff game we don't care if this, the Panthers Aaron Rodgers and the Packers the Vikings anybody the Ra- I mean like whoever it is if they're coming to our house we feel like we can win does that does that change your does that change your mindset as a player uh no uh, you have to have confidence so you, 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 so you already you, have that mindset in the first place yeah, yeah you already have that mindset because this Dallas Cowboys defense has been really balling from start to finish and the offense has really been the Achilles heel this defense has been lights out now the issue that I have with Dallas, right? We know the personnel, the personnel is in place. We know they have quality play players on all three levels. You still might have some concerns in the secondary, especially at the safety position, but that front really takes up a lot of slack from the lack of production or consistency you might get in the secondary. But the Cowboys are confusing at times. And here's why you see an effort like we saw tonight, right? And then Colt McCoy put up 23 points, but you won the ball game. You know, you struggled against the Falcons, but you found a way to win. But losing to teams like the Tennessee Titans in which they lost at home four, on a national yeah, stage. Four weeks ago, same sort of spot, right? I mean, Yeah, and, and that's the confusing part about this team on the defensive side. We know you can play good football, and because of that, you have won four straight based on what happened Thursday night. But you need to be able to sustain this level of play. Yeah, the game that they gave us tonight, uh, last night, I'm sorry, against the Saints would be the game you would think they would give you against a offensive team like the Tennessee Titans. And they didn't. So just being able to get this consistent stride that they have put out the last few weeks has to be their storyline, in my opinion, Will, for them to get into the playoffs and be competitive defensively. That's a good point. I think I'd tell you the one thing I really like about this Cowboys defense, um, aside from the obvious, which is, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. And man, he is about to get 
paid in free agency. Uh, it was pretty, I don't know if you, uh, follow his agent, uh, or do you know his agent, David Cantor? Um, who, like, it, it, he's on, tw- I follow him on Twitter, but he, uh, mm-hmm. he was tweeting. He's like, man, why can't, can it be March already? <laughs> like, oh, no he, he, especially yeah. being healthy oh, in his March right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he would be cashing in. He'd be getting, um, uh, yeah, I mean, like Aaron Donald type of money, maybe just because he's an edge rusher, edge rusher. But I, the two guys that stood out to me in this game, one, Jalen Smith, who, who started mm. to get his explosion back from his Notre Dame game. Notre Dame games uh, looks like looks like a totally different player than we expected him to be, and then. Wow, Leighton Vanderesh, this rookie linebacker out of Boise State. I mean, he is having an incredible season. He, he's he's just he's he's like Luke Keekley, like a bigger, not faster or stronger, but just a bigger bodied Luke Keekley. He's just there. It's like all of a sudden he's just there in these plays. Uh, did did that pop off to you watching those games oh, as well? No question. They complement each other so well, and they love playing with each other. Vanderesh is a very very instinctive player but he is a tackling machine jalen smith is more so he is the aggressor mm-hmm. you know he's like that tag team uh 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 uh, uh combo in wrestling you know when you have a tag team I combo just, you like either the... have a guy that's more of the instinctive guy he's very very technical uh, uh he's a, a cerebral wrestler and then you have the guy who's the muscle like the, that's what <laughs> like the steiner brothers do you remember the steiner yeah. brothers yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You had the Steiner brother. You had a uh, Steiner, the Scott, one with all the muscle. Yeah, Scott, yeah, yeah, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right, yeah, and that's what they have right there in Dallas with both linebackers. They complement each other, and they fly around. And the unique thing that I like about both young linebackers, they're three-down linebackers. They play on three-down, all three downs, and they're not a liability in coverage, and they fly around. And the personality of that defense is basically the personality of both players instinctive they love football they're physical and they fly around and that's the first thing that stuck out to me was watching the cowboys defenders chase the football they look like street ants and they i'm sorry they look like ants on street crumbs if you ever (laughs) see some street crumbs out and about and see ants surrounding the crumbs and jump on top of the crumbs and just go go for broke on the crumbs that's how they surrounded the football last night and it was fun to watch yeah, it was. By the way, good, good on you for the last night drops. You sliding right back in. Don't even, don't even think, don't even blink. Have you seen these videos of sweaty Michael Irvin out there? It is in, it's incredible stuff. That man is, that, that man was warm last night when, uh, when, hey, he, when he you know what? Area. I, he was excited. Of course, Cowboys Nation, they're excited. You know, I, I did a segment a few weeks ago when they beat Atlanta and I felt like seeing the Alex Smith injury. That was a quality invitation for them, the Cowboys, to win their division. And they're proving me, they're proving me right so far. I think going forward though, Will and listeners, now we expect to see this type of performance week in and week out from the defense because they still going to have some struggles offensively. But you have the Eagles, they have a very, very favorable schedule going forward. You had the Eagles, that's going to be a huge game. That could decide the mm-hmm. NFC East right there based on what will happen throughout the weekend of play in the NFL. Then you have the Colts, a very, very intriguing ball game, Tampa, and the Giants. So they have a very, very favorable schedule going forward, and they should be – they will control their own destiny, but it's about being consistent. Yeah, and I mean, this is a huge win for the Cowboys because 
it, you know, the expectation was that the Cowboys would lose the game based on the point spread. Um, and then that they would, you know, if the Eagles could win based on their point spread against the, the, the Redskins on Monday night, then all of a sudden the Eagles would be playing the Cowboys in Dallas with first, pl- like they could be tied for first going into it, you know, or like they would have first place, uh, coming out of the game and they said that, that, that won't be the case. But yeah, I mean, this is not a situation where the Cowboys can just put up their feet and relax because they're playing nah. the Eagles. You know what I mean? This is a, you beat the Eagles next week, though, if you're the Cowboys, and that division's probably over. I mean, it's, it's yeah, that, yeah, that's what I said. You know, not knowing exactly what will happen this Sunday. Sure. Uh, uh, the Eagles. I can't. I don't remember who they're playing this they're, Sunday. They play, they play the Redskins on Monday night. Monday night. Monday yeah. night. So that's going to be a big game. But yet and still, regardless, it's about the Cowboys. I mean, they play good football. Hopefully, they can get their offense rolling. Um, because their offense, <laughs> it, it was like the off the Cowboys' offense was kind of playing against the Cowboys' defense. Mm. Because when the Cowboys' defense made a play, the offense bailed out the Saints based on allowing the Saints to make plays. So if they can get that offense just clicking a little more, just being a little more aggressive, running yeah. the football. Uh, uh, they can be a real intriguing team going forward. One thing that bugged me in the second half for the Cowboys is that they were super conservative. And it's, I mean, I get that their defense is playing well, but you, they were, I mean, they could move the ball when they were pushing it down the field. They should have taken more shots. Like they were trying, they were just trying to bleed out the clock and get out of there. And I, it feels like it's going to bite Jason Garrett at some point. I don't know where it is. Uh, maybe in a home playoff game in, 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 in the wild card weekend or maybe, maybe further down the line. But I, I have a hard time believing that team, uh, will win a Super Bowl. Interestingly, the Saints now, uh, mm-hmm. w- winners of, of course, uh, nine straight or ten straight, excuse me, after losing week one to the Buccaneers. They actually covered nine straight games as well, which is incredible. Um, third team in NFL history since they kept track of this, I believe, uh, to do that. And the other two teams also failed to cover their 10th game. Uh, shout out to, to Pete Prisco, who predicted straight up that the Cowboys would win, put the Cowboys in a super contest pick set on Sportsline, which you can watch every night from 6 to 7 on, on CBS Sports HQ and on uh, from 11 to noon on Saturdays and noon to 1 on Sundays. Um, he said that he loved the Cowboys plus 7.5. The Saints went at Dallas. Now they're at Tampa and at Carolina, which are two very interesting games. And then they close with the Steelers and the Panthers at home. Mm-hmm. If you're the Rams, you are pumped because yeah, the, you're pumped. you just got new life chasing the number one seed because I don't think the, the Saints, the Saints don't have a, you know, they don't have any freebies coming out that you know, the Buccaneers game will be a shootout. I think the Saints will probably go at worst three and one, but could go mm-hmm. two and two. Um, you know, this is a, it's a sort of a gut check here for New Orleans, right? Uh, no, no question. And this loss, in my opinion, watching this loss is more so on Sean Payton than anybody. And I say that based on this. The storyline for this game offensively for, for the Saints was to win the ball game with Drew Brees arms, which is not a bad it's not it's not a bad storyline. It's not a bad script. But the Saints have been so dominant offensively because of the ground game. I mean, to, as a team, they're top 10. They're number seventh in the NFL in Russia, number seven, seventh. Mm-hmm. And they have really been consistently good running the football over four yards a pop. But today, uh, last night, I'm sorry, they just did, they abandoned the run. Their first three plays to start the ball game off was all passes, all passes. When you have a two-headed monster like Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, they should at least combine, in my opinion, have at least 26 touches. They only had 18 touches. 18 touches, you never, you never trusted the ground game. 
You never trusted the ground game. And you made it easy for the Cowboys because they were always playing with the sticks in their favor. I mean, third down-wise, looking at the numbers, the Saints were 3 of 11 on third down. 3 of 11 on third down. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are not New Orleans Saints numbers. Those are not Drew Brees-type numbers. But because they were throwing the football so much, especially on first and second down, you're behind the chains. And now the Cowboys defense, they know exactly what's coming. And you do not want to allow guys like Demarcus Lawrence to know when you're throwing the football. No, you're 100% right. Uh, and, you know, conversely, by the way, the Cowboys, um, since they, uh, I have to do my quick math, but they had, uh, they converted before Amari Cooper got there, they converted 31.7% of their third downs. They were converting more than 50% of their third downs since Cooper got there. He's made a world of a difference. And the Saints didn't do it. I mean, they were, you know, three of 11, as you pointed out on third down. Drew Brees just seemed a little bit off. I, I don't, I mean, Michael, they did, Cowboys did a fantastic job of sort of blanketing Michael Thomas. Eight targets, five catches for 40 yards. Um, Alvin Kamara had just, and, and the other thing I thought that Dallas did defensively really well that, that we haven't seen a lot of teams do well against New Orleans, and it really seemed to throw the Saints off, is when Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram would get the ball on a screen, linebackers and safeties would flow to those guys immediately. Like there was just, they had no breakaway yardage, and they always had that, you know? Hey, what I said, ants on some street crumbs. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, that, they were flying around. And to last night was the first night that we saw the quote unquote no name receivers look like no name receivers. I mean, yes, Keith Kirkwood had a huge touchdown catch, but outside of that, they provided nothing. Even Michael Thomas had some issues. And that is the concerning part for me with the Saints offensively. They don't have so many, they don't have a lot of household names. In the backfield, they do, but outside of Michael Thomas, I mean, they don't have reliable pass catchers mm. based on experience. And last night, it showed up because the Cowboys secondary, their corners, their safeties, they did not allow any separation. They did not allow any separation. And now, you would expect that if you're playing against a five-star type of secondary, but we don't consider the Dallas Cowboys secondary to be the strongest part of that defense it's more so the front but because of the lack of separation for some of the uh pass catches from the saints i mean that put drew Brees in a very very difficult spot and ultimately led to accuracy issues and not the percentage completion percentage that we have grown accustomed to seeing from drew Brees so far in 2018 and hey, let's give the cowboys credit too they developed some safeties there uh byron jones i mean some cornerbacks excuse me byron jones and uh chidobia woozy two early round picks and Jones was 2015, a crazy athlete with a crazy high jump, converted from U safety out of UConn. They converted him to a cornerback. Uh, he's been fantastic this year. And then Awuzie's really stepped up, a big athletic yeah. guy. And when you have those sort of athletic guys who can blanket the receivers. And, and Jordan he, Lewis. Jordan yeah, Lewis Jordan had a Lewis huge had interception. Huge interception. It looked like yeah. Kamara was a little bit uh, off on that. All right. Um, let's uh, speak of defenders. We'll get you out of here on this. Got to ask you about uh, James Harrison. So Dick LeBeau. Legendary, multi is is he's in the Hall of Fame as a player and a coach, right? Or is he not yes. in as a coach yet? I, I think he's just in the Hall as a coach, which is crazy because he has over sixty interceptions. You know, played with a lot of Hall of Famers, but I know he's in the Hall for as a coach for sure. I know that for sure. Yeah, he, okay, he's definitely in as a coach, which he should be because he basically invented the the zone was it zone blitz, right? That he invented fire zones, yeah, fire zones, yeah, 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 the zone blitz. Yeah, I know my football history. Um, 
Dick Lowe's a stud. He was your defensive coordinator. He joined the season, the 2008 Steelers, your podcast, which people can subscribe to on iTunes and should subscribe to on any of our podcast platforms on CBS. Uh, and, and he, <laughs> I like the idea of like Dick Lebeau, who's, who's now 81 years old, uh, like Midwestern through and through, just talking about James Harrison having the best, like, like the best, I mean, the best bot on the planet, right? Like he's like the biggest, <laughs> the biggest freak of all that he's ever seen. And Lebeau's seen everybody, right? Yeah, he's seen everybody. He's coached pretty much everybody. And those are high words coming from a, a, a individual like Coach LeBeau. Uh, you definitely got to tune into the season, man. If And it's not just about Steelers fans. You know, this is about football fans. If you're a football fan, you want to get a chance to listen to individuals on a personal level as far as inside locker room stories, on the field stories. It's a great Great podcast, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it. Okay, I'm probably am, but I'm being real also. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, the, you know, the reality is, like, you can't, like, I mean, look, if I if I decided I was going to do a 2008 Steelers season podcast, and I would call Dick LeBeau and Bruce Arian to Bill Cower, like, Bill Cower might talk to me because he's from Raleigh and, and I'm from Raleigh, but, like, and you might talk to me, but, uh, like, it's not happening. You were there. You lived it. And so it's the idea of reliving this incredible Super Bowl team with so many personalities and sitting down with each of these guys and breaking down the stories and, and sort of, like, walking down memory lane. To me, it's that that's what makes it so awesome. And I highly recommend people subscribe to it. Uh, keep up the uh, excellent podcast work, BMAC. And um, I guess that's all we got. We went a little, little bit long. We'll go talk to uh, Prisco and RJ and make some picture this week, and we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Yes, sir. Sounds like a plan. All right. Now it's time to make some picks. Let's get to them. Thursday Night Football's in the books, of course. This is the weekend edition, and RJ White and Pete Brisker are joining me to make picks. Um, you know, it's been a while, guys, because we recorded before Thanksgiving, and it feels like that Thanksgiving went on for a really long time. Uh, week 12, not so kind to me. Two and three uh, in the Super Contest. RJ also two and three. Pete Half a point away from taking the lead back from RJ. Three and two of the Super Contest. You had a great week overall. Plus 18 in terms of the picks pod. Nine and three. RJ plus seven, seven and five. And I went five and seven. Uh, Pete. Petey, Pub- Petey Public had a good week last week. <laughs> Congrats, Pete. You know, and, and if Dan Rogers hits Adams in the end zone for a touchdown, then I go four and one in the contest too. Hey, let me ask you, let me ask you this while we're, just while we're talking about this and before we get into the games. What um what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Because you know you we we get we get so locked into these picks that you and I don't we don't talk football quite as often. But what do you think is the problem with Aaron Rodgers? Is it Mike McCarthy? No, I mean, well, yeah, it, to some degree, but but he's not playing that well either. I mean, he, he's got to learn to take the check down once in a while. I can't, you know, and and I know why he does it because his defense stinks, so he presses. And, and doesn't think getting the first down is the same as getting touchdowns down the field, but, and the offense is outdated. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think if McCarthy, McCarthy comes back and I saw your little tweet the other day about Rodgers is broken. So, so he's not fixable. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying that like, I think that Rodgers and McCarthy have just gotten, things have gotten so stale with them and the offense has gotten so stale and, and they've basically stagnated and they need to see other people is what I'm saying. Mm, they need to change with the times is what they need to do. But why is, Mike, why is, why is Mike McCarthy suddenly going to do that now in week or like 2019 when he wouldn't Well, you're not going to do it during the season, but you can come back after the offseason and figure it out. Plus, they can still make a run. They're t- that, the, the schedule's a joke. 
it's not it's not hard. They could make a run. That NFC is crowded there. What would you think about Cliff Kingsbury as uh, as Green Bay offensive coordinator? And- I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be a damn good offensive coordinator in the NFL if somebody hires him. Hmm. RJ, would you hire Cliff Kingsbury? Absolutely. Wow. Everybody wants a piece of Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe, after all, he won't end up going to join Mac Brown's coaching staff at Carolina. I was just hoping Pete would be like, Mac Brown? What's he doing? No. I, what, Mac Brown was a good coach back in the day. Yeah, RJ loved Mac Brown. He won him a national title. RJ, you know, what do you think I, about Mac as Brown? As a Texas fan, I was, I was ready for them to move on from Mac Brown for a while. I always contended that Vince Young won him that title, not Mac Brown. It was a Herculean effort from Vince Young to, to win that game. It's not like anything Mac Brown did was, was that good. But then you see the run of teams we've had since Mac Brown left at, at Texas. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of pining for the, the days of Mac Brown. The, <laughs> back house, when I the was, Halcyon days of Mac Brown. Would you, do you think it's a good hire by Carolina to get Mac Brown in the year 2018 of our Lord? We'll see. Uh, he's a better recruiter than a uh, game day coach. So we'll see how that program looks in a few years. Um, and, and until then, I don't think we can really make a. How make, old is Mac Brown? Now? Six, he's, well, he's younger than he's younger than. Um, uh, Bill Snyder. <laughs> yes, yes, everybody's younger than Bill Snyder. Uh, Jesus is younger than Bill Snyder. Um, Mac Brown is 67 years old. He just hired Greg Robinson, his old uh, de- co-defensive coordinator, who went like one and 55 at Syracuse. Uh, anyway, this is not a college football podcast. Well, and, and one one other thing, while we're talking about old coaches, I wouldn't be shocked to see an old seventy-two-year-old man come down out of the out of the high high office and become a head coach. Say what? In, in Jacksonville, I mean, ooh, in the middle of the season or next year? No, at some point. I and and the reason I say that, he would never admit this, but when we talked during the summer, I could tell that he had still had the itch. Mm, he, he had the itch. Interesting nugget. Did you read my? Uh, you're not really a, a, a written word guy these days, Pete, but did you read my Jacksonville Jaguars article based off the podcast with JLC? Um, that, did you catch that article? Probably not. That this, the window is closed? Yeah. What do you think about that? The window slammed shut. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, are they going to, who, who's gone next year in Jacksonville? The two safeties are gone. The right tackle's gone. Malik Jackson's gone. Campbell, if he doesn't take a cut, is gone. Depending on what they do with Darius, there's five or six guys right there that are gone. Moncrief is gone, obviously. He's on a one-year deal. Blake Bortles uh, gone? Who? Blake Bortles. Bortles is gone. You think they, you- have cap it. they have cap issues, too. Let's not forget. No, that was part of the story. It's like they're t- $13 million over the cap going into the offseason, and um, they're going to have to shave some guys and just Carlos The problem Hyde. is they don't have any anybody to go solve the quarterback position. There's nobody. Not a, Not a one. Nobody. And don't, please don't say Teddy Bridgewater because he's not solving it either. Don't you, will you admit now they should have traded for Teddy Bridgewater there? No. Well, they didn't know what he was. Seriously, when uh, it comes to, when it comes to Bridgewater, no good. Uh, when it comes to any of them other guys, it was the same. It's the same. No, you, anytime you have a quarterback who's middling, your team is going to be middling. Hashtag, hashtag trade for Eli? Middling. Hashtag trade for Flacco? Middling. Hashtag trade for car. I mean, you start running out of names. I mean, what, what are you going to do at some point? Options <laughs> aren't great in the draft. You should, they should have drafted Deshaun Watson instead of taking well, Leonard Fournette. And that's the whole problem. They went and drafted a running back, which is the cardinal sin when they, you know. that. See, here's the thing. They drafted the running back, and then they went to the championship game. So from that point, Coughlin's right. It's hard to blow it up when you got that far and you're ready to go. So you add a few pieces. 
So I get it from that standpoint, but the mistake was made. No, it wasn't Watson. It was Mahomes. That's who they should have picked. Well, right, but either I mean I- anyone. Just take somebody. Well, other I heard Coughlin now. like Watson at the time, right. and that, that somehow he got convinced not to take him. Um, would you like to issue a formal apology to RJ since the under nine wins for the Jaguars is already cashed? No, that was a good bet by his on his part. Okay. I'm not apologizing. What am I apologizing for? I was wrong. <laughs> that's close. Hey, that's, if that's... he apologize for every pick he's had wrong, he'd be doing a lot of apologizing. I don't, need, I don't need an apology, Pete. The cash is fine with me. <laughs> I like this little banter back and forth early. Get Pete all worked up about the Jaguars. So the Jaguars are going to stink for the next three years. They don't have a quarterback, right? Yeah. I, I know. If everything else around the quarterback is great, then you you can you can do have those aberration seasons. We've seen it with Kerry Collins. I always go back to Kerry Collins. That was an aberration season. He went thirteen and three and got eliminated. Same as the Jaguars. And everybody here's the thing about Jacksonville: nobody's better. Why is that? Nobody on that entire team is better than they were a year ago. Bad, Nobody. Bad coaching. Uh, you said it. I didn't. Oh, okay. I mean. Baloney Maroney ain't going to come after me. you got to see him every day. You're in the locker room. No, I don't. I don't live there anymore. Oh, that's right. You don't live there anymore. What am I talking about? But I say it on the radio, even though I'm on the on the, on the the radio network. I'll say it. You should start calling him Baloney Maroney. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to the picks. We need some picks music. I'm going to get some. We're going to, we're going to work on music. We're also going to get new intro music for the podcast. That's coming soon, too. Uh, segment one. If you could only play one, this is our number one pick. As a reminder, we do four points for one game, and then you can assign points for every other. Then you, then each of us assign points for every other game. Three, two, and one, as many as you want. Um, and then you add up the points, how you do. You get a cumulative point total at the end of the week. I go negative every week, so just fade me. Don't fade me this week, though. I think I'm going to go big. Uh, we're going to start with you, though, RJ, and we're going to start on Monday night. With the Washington Redskins at the Philadelphia Eagles, you've got the Washington Redskins and Colt McCoy and dummy Doug Williams out there talk great, giving great reasons for why they signed Reuben Foster, claimed Reuben Foster. Uh, you got the Washington Redskins plus six and a half at Philly. Luckily, Doug Williams doesn't have to play. I don't know what you guys are thinking laying this many points with an Eagles secondary that's just banged up and looks like you can throw all over him. Philly's just three and eight against the spread all year, no matter, you know, when the secondary was healthy or not. I don't think they can lay a bunch of points with, with their corner issues. The offense has been sluggish. Washington's D can keep them in the game. We've seen all year Washington's D has shown up and kept them in low scoring games. Washington's on a mini buy. They, they last played Thursday. They're going to get to play Monday. That's going to help with Colt McCoy's prep. You know, he knows the system, obviously being there as long as he has, but he gets more practice reps. As, as the number one quarterback now, and I think that's going to make a little difference. He threw three picks against Dallas. They still only lost by eight. They almost covered the number. He had 23 points, 331 yards of offense on that short week against a better defense. So I think we're getting too much respect for Philly here. If they win, it's going to be like that Giants game, a close one where they have to rally back, and we're, they'll win by three. So six and a half is way too much. I love this pick here. I, look, for me, I, I just – I agree it's a lot of points, but I just think the Redskins uh, are – abysmal on offense. Uh, and I know the defense is banged up, but I don't think the Redskins are that good on offense. This game reminds me of Monday night's game. You got a team sitting at home, another team going on the road in the division. It looks like it's too many points, but for some reason, I just don't think it is. I, th- I think the Eagles are going to score. I don't think they're going to blow them out, but I think they win by 10, 9 to 10. Um, yeah, I got the Eagles. I mean, both Pete and I have this as a one, so we clearly don't, you know, love the don't game. Don't love them. Yeah. And I mean, I do think when you look at one, the one of the things that stands out to me, um, at least I'm not making Philly's case here very well, but Philly, just looking at the numbers, Philly's one in five this season as a home favorite against the spread. 
That is a really bad number. It tells you that that Philly's reputation. Oh, right. for, what's really that? Valued. They've been overvalued all year. Yeah, they've been overvalued, and six and a half is a lot of points. I mean, could they? Were they ever close to covering that game against the Giants? I don't. I don't feel like they no. really were. Right? The Giants easily could have won that game. This yeah, is oh behind quickly. So it was like nineteen three, I think, at halftime, and then then they rallied back. Yeah, I'm so. already, I already hate my first pick of the week. Good, 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 excellent. Uh, I, mean, I do think. Do you think you'll, this will go in your super contest then? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And anyway, I will say this about the Redskins, too. Like, this is basically a sort of a semifinal for the NFC East. Like, who, the loser of this game is out in trying to chase the Cowboys. The winner of this game could be back in because of the Cowboys. We've, the, right. Cow- the winner of this game is thinking, you know, if it's Washington wins this game, they're thinking we're going to be in first place by ourselves because you remember the Dallas is going to play Thursday. Dallas, and Dallas obviously that game's already – Right. That game's already happened for us. You know, we don't know what how, what the outcome was, but let's assume Dallas lost, like everyone's assuming uh, is going to happen with that spread. All of a sudden, Washington wins their first place by themselves. If Philly wins, they're tied for first place. So, so you get a few days to stew on that and say, this is our season right here. We can get right back into this in the playoff hunt with the with a win on Monday night. Yeah, that's a fair point. All right, maybe I hate the Eagles after all. Um, good start for me. Don't like my picks. Uh, <laughs> moving along to Pete's best pick of the week, the Los Angeles Chargers. Plus three and a half at Pittsburgh. It's so easy. It's it's like ball bearings. It's so simple. They're getting three and a half points on the road. Why wouldn't you take the Chargers? I don't blame you, Pete. Because I think this is – look, I'd love it even more if Gordon was in the game, obviously, because uh, the Steelers had run game issues. Uh, but I do think that they'll be able to do some things with Eckler and, and get some running game going. And I think Rivers is going to be able to make plays down the field. Look, I, I know the last time a team came in there like this – Everybody said it was Carolina, but the Chargers defense can rush the passer. And I think they're going to get ahead in the game, and I think they're going to turn their pass rushers loose. You saw Bosa last week get a sack. He's starting to look like Bosa again. Uh, I, I Look, I just think that the Chargers getting that three and a half, you give me the extra half point, I'm taking it because it's probably a field goal game. Yeah, I feel you there, and the Chargers are probably the better uh, the better, like the Chargers, the obvious bet here. I will, however, um, take the Steelers, and I think I'm going to take them as one of my best bets. I do think there's a similarity, and I mentioned that in our expert picks on so that we recorded during the Sportsline show. By the way, you can watch Sportsline on CBS Sports HQ every friggin' night, Monday through Friday, six to seven p.m. Again from eleven to noon on Saturday, and again from noon to one on Sunday, and it is slammed full of. Awesome gambling advice. It's free. It's for hardcore sports fans who want to make some bucks on their hard-earned cash. Real sports news for real sports fans. Go to cbssports.com slash live to watch that there. Um, I look at Rivers' record. He's two and three, um, straight up against the Steelers in his career. Just one and two, um, in Pittsburgh. And I read, you know, it's over a long course of time since 2004. Uh, but there's a little bit of, you know, like, Ben versus Phil juice there. I, I just think that this Steelers team plays so much better at home. They're coming off of a loss and they're playing at home. It's in prime time. It's on Sunday night. It is, it just reminds me of the Carolina game. And I don't think that I get that, that, uh, Los Angeles is coming on strong, but for me, I, this is a game where, where Pittsburgh flexes their muscles. It's like a three touchdown Antonio Brown game. Uh, I had the Chargers a little higher than I ended up putting them in a one as a one for a little competition. I had them a little higher. I think it's a great spot for Pittsburgh, which makes me a little hesitant to go all in on the Chargers. But the stats say they're better. Um, their losses have been Casey, Rams, and Denver, which was at the last second with 479 yards of offense in that game. So they played their butts off in that game, and they they end up losing at the last second. I don't think the Gordon injury moves the line that much. You know, it's a running back. How much can he actually have that much of an effect of a line? Justin Jackson, the guy that's going to play the the complementary role to Eckler, can can spell. You know, get 
10 carries, 12 carries and be fine there. Um, Rivers is playing way better than Big Ben. You know, if Big Ben kind of looks like he's on the downturn, Rivers, I don't, he's like Drew Brees right now. I don't know when that guy's going to retire because every game he's just putting up these great stats. He had one incompletion his last game. Um, he'll have more than that this, this game. I'm pretty comfortable saying, but, uh, Chargers offense ranks third in DVOA, second in pass DVOA. Steelers are just sixth and eighth in those categories. So, Throwing the ball, Chargers are doing better, even with their kind of underrated receiving core that that doesn't get as much hype as the Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schusters of the world. Um, Chargers also have a better defense, like Pete said, that that pass rush is going to get to Big, Big Ben, knock him around a bit. So I can understand because of the spot why the Steelers are favored by three and a half, but the stats say the Chargers are better. So I think we're getting at least a half point of value there. I would make it a three, maybe two and a half. So I, I take the Chargers here, but I'm not I'm not going to put it in the contest. I'm just going to stay away from it. I get it. I don't blame you. Uh, Browns, my pick. I love the Browns. I'm riding the Browns. They're getting white hot. I nailed that last week. I didn't have a good week, but I nailed the Browns winning outright in Cincinnati and Pete. Now you may apologize to me for claiming the Browns would not be motivated by Hugh Jackson. I, I think suffice to say they were pretty motivated by Hugh Jackson, right? That seems fair. Guys go play for themselves. When are you going to learn that? Demarius Randall handed it. By, okay, so Baker Mayfield played harder on Sunday because Hugh Jackson was on the other sidelines. Is that what you're saying? Or Demarius it. Randall got that interception because he saw Hugh Jackson standing there. No. Baker Mayfield played, he played better. He was focused. He was more focused because Hugh Jackson okay, was over there. Then what you're saying is, then you're doing Baker Mayfield a disservice. So he's not as focused in every game that he should be then. Is that what you're saying? No, everybody. What are you saying? Dude, athletes since the history of time have had chips on their shoulders over various things. Sean Payton and Drew Brees are going to remember. They probably, it's Thursday night. So it happened on Thursday night. I mean, like everybody has a chip on their shoulders. That's what the Patriots thrive on. They're like, the, we've been disrespected. Nobody believes in us. Where do you think no one believes in us come from? No, like, screw Hugh Jackson. We're going to burn him. You get hit in the mouth. Not a bit of that matters. You can talk that all you want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, it mattered. If, what, okay, fine. It didn't matter. You're right. You, you know why it mattered? Matter. Because you got a couple of gifs to tweet out on Twitter. That's why it mattered. Oh, you're right. Okay, great. Sure. Whatever you want to believe, it didn't matter. This, Argue- is, this is a guy who's never put a helmet on in his life, so you have no idea what you're talking about. I have about. more helmets behind me than you've worn in your life. Let me see. The state helmet I would love to wear. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one back there? The M. Macaulay. It's a high school helmet. Um, <laughs> what did you do? Get did the water boy get a helmet? Back? <laughs> <laughs> it's an honorary high school helmet. Uh, look, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're playing croquet, uh, football, basketball, whatever it is. Vengeance matters. RJ, did the did the Browns play harder because of Hugh Jackson? Um. I, I, they played harder because of the absence of Hugh Jackson. I think they're a better team without, <laughs> without Hugh Jackson. And they're, you know, they, Greg Williams is obviously instills a different type of culture in that locker room than Hugh Jackson does. So I think these guys are, are more excited to come out and play football under Greg Williams than Hugh Jackson. Not that I think Greg Williams is like the best head coach in the world, but uh, I think having Hugh Jackson as your head coach is probably a net negative. We can say that at this point. And by the way, look, Freddie Kitchens, the OC, Came out and dragged Hugh Jackson too on on Thursday, while, right before we recorded this. First of all, I don't have a problem with Baker saying anything like that. The guy spoke what he felt to be true, and I don't know when it became big news to speak the truth. Um, yeah. What I want to know is how all this makes any difference in you taking them at Houston. The Browns are rolling, baby. The Browns are going because you know why. Bill O'Brien once slighted Baker. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I I think that I think Cleveland 
I'm a little worried about offensively how they'll look against that Texas defense. But I think this Texas team is still a bit overvalued because of their eight game win streak. I know they look good against the Titans. Um, they haven't really dominated. You know, they haven't really beat anybody that was great in this win streak. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not a good team and they're not a dangerous playoff team, but I do think that their weakness, which is the offensive line, and the ability to get pressure on uh, Deshaun Jackson matches up with the strength of the Browns' defense with Miles Garrett there. I think he has a big game against Deshaun Watson. I think Baker Mayfield will have a very nice game, if not a great game. Um, I, I just think Baker's going to elevate his elevate his game in, in, a, uh, in, in a in a big spot against another you know, rival sort of young quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Look, I think Houston is overvalued. You know, the, you, we win eight, eight games in a row. That's going to be the case no matter what. I was thinking Cleveland is overvalued. They're very high-profile wins these last couple of weeks. So I think you're t- it's a case of where both these teams are overvalued, and the line's probably where it should be. If we were taking a realistic assessment of these teams, we'd probably knock them both down a couple of points, and then you still get to minus five and a half, minus six around there. Um, the only thing Cleveland does well is pass defense. You know, you alluded to the pass rush. Um, that works well against teams like Cincinnati and Atlanta, where all they do is pass the ball well, and then uh, the, their defenses are terrible, and you can move the ball like crazy on them. Houston's got a much better deed than those teams. It's the toughest defensive matchup for Cleveland, in fact, since they scored 12 and 14 on the Chargers and the Ravens way back in weeks five and six. So I don't know that Cleveland gets to 20 points in this game. I think Baker on the road is due for a little bit of a, a slump against a good defense, and I think we're going to get a final, something like 26-16, because I do think Houston can move the ball a little bit. I think Deshaun Watson is running the ball a little better. It seems like he's over that injury, the the chest and the lungs and the everything else injury that caused him to have to take a bus to a game earlier this season. And it seems like he's healthier. He's running the ball a little better now. And I think they can score a little bit on Cleveland. So I'm probably not playing it, but I would go Houston with the points. 60% of the money, Pete, on uh, on the Houston Texans. 60% of the bets. Oh, no, sorry, 60% of the bets on uh, on Houston per the Action Network. 58% of the money on the Cleveland Browns, if you care, Pete. I don't care. You don't care. Good. Um, Make my own picks. You picked Houston for those that care. Nobody cares. Uh, moving along to segment two, agree to disagree. This is where we have uh, a group of games where there's a strong disagreement. At least one of us put a two on each one of these games. RJ has a three for the Giants plus five and a half at home against the mighty Chicago Bears. And what appears to be Chase Daniel starting for the second time. Yeah, when this line came out for the contest on Wednesday night, there was no line hung anywhere, you know, and, and I think the last line that was up was a four or four and a half. Um, and when the contest put out, the Westgate put up five and a half for the contest, it made me think, oh, maybe they know something that Trubisky is playing. Um, because I think with Trubisky at a hundred percent, maybe this is the line, you know, Chicago on the road with Daniel on the road. I don't buy it. I think the line's really inflated. Um, Trubisky likely won't play, like you said. Daniel won in Detroit, but it took a pick six. He only had 264 yards on offense against a bad defense. Chicago's won five straight. I don't think we get 100% from their D on the road versus a bad team. This seems like a, a spot where they take a little bit off after you know winning on Thursday, winning these divisional games, beating the Vikings. It also is a look-at spot for the Bears. They're home versus the Rams next, then home against the Packers next. I think they really got to gear up for that stretch, try to get that two seed, um, try to put the division away. And they're not really going to take the Giants um, that that seriously. So it'll be a lower scoring game to me. I love getting this many points in a low scoring game. Um, so look for something like you know a nineteen to sixteen final, and and maybe Chicago pulls it out, and maybe Giants get the win. I I think, that, I think the pass rush is going to get all over Eli Manning. I think I, look, I'm with you normally on this one, RJ, because I wanted to take the Giants. Uh, the more I watch the Giants, I just think that that. Pass rush, the Bears pass rush. Everything you said factors in to a lot of the things I always believe in. 
But I just think they're going to kill Eli up front. I think they're going to attack him, get him. He's going to turn the ball over. Because I, I'm with you. I don't think Chase Daniels is that good. I think they're looking ahead. They're on the road. What are they, you know? But I just think that they're going to get after him. And he's going to turn the ball over. That's why I like the Bears. I don't love it, but I like the Bears. Yeah, I had the Bears too. And I didn't, I start, when I was doing my picks, I was starting to do the Giants. I was like, I just can't, I'm just imagining Khalil Mack coming after Eli Manning. And, you know, after taking the Bears, I took the Lions plus four on the road, and they they hung as tough as they could. That was a sh- the shortest possible week for the Bears, and now they have ten days to rest, and they get to go to New York against a, uh, what could be a worse offensive line and a, and maybe a, a worse offense. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I just think the I think it's hard to bet against the Bears defense and what they're doing to opposing quarterbacks at the moment. So I will I will take uh, the Chicago Bears in that the Bears, spot. The Bears did get before that Lions game, which could have went either way. You know, we was that pick six sure. at the end. Um, it was a close game. Before that, they had four of their, their previous five at home. So this is a team that really hasn't been tested on the road that much. And not that the Giants are this great team that, that has a shot at the playoffs or anything. But when you go four or five games at home and the one on the road is at Buffalo, you know, against whoever the quarterback was in that game, Derek Anderson, Barkley, whoever, I don't know, remember who it was in that game, but, or Peterman. But, um, uh, this is going to be a test for them. The Lions were a test. They, they, it could have went either way. Um, you know, they didn't get the, they got the win there, so they didn't get the loss. So I really do think they're inflated, overinflated with this line. I think there's great, I don't know who's going to be able to bet this at minus five and a half, especially if it comes out that Daniel's starting. Um, so I don't know how much help this is for the listeners, but in the contest, I'm really thinking about taking the Giants. Only 140 bets tracked, but 35% of the bets, uh, on the Giants and 64% of the money. So you, one would presume that more, I mean, it, I, I think you will see a lot of the sharps. As it were, take, uh, take, take the Giants in this spot. Yeah, I'll be square on that one. Don't mind. RJ, you've also got the Detroit Lions catching nine and a half. Got This is a big week for you, RJ. This is, uh, this is a lot of big dogs out there. A lot of big dogs yeah. on the board. Well, I don't know what you guys are thinking taking the Rams. Like, they don't cover. They're one, six and one in the last eight. And it's because they had these super inflated lines where they're favored by nine, 10, 12 points and they win by two or three or four. Um, Detroit isn't good, but they shouldn't be getting this, all these points at home. Uh, like I said, they could have won that game, you know, except for that stupid pick six. Sure, that happens when you have Matt Stafford at quarterback against great defenses. This Rams defense is not a great defense. They're number 17 in DVOA, but just 24th in net yards per attempt, 31st in yards per carry, 25th in points per drive. Uh, Detroit offense has faced a lot of tough Ds lately. Seattle, Minnesota, Chicago twice, Carolina. They're going to improve against a bad defense. So I think a fair line here is Rams minus seven, maybe, minus seven and a half, and I'd still be a little hesitant to take them considering that they play a lot of close games. So I think at nine and a half, we're getting great value and, and the market had it at 10. So when they threw out nine and a half in the contest, I was like, come on guys. Like I wanted to take Detroit plus 10. I still might do it at nine and a half. I, I don't know, man. The Rams have had a buy. The Rams are, are putting up points to keep to leave is coming back. I don't see how with Aaron Donald and that bad offensive line, the, the lions are going to score. Now look, the lions have been a dangerous team at home in terms of covering. They beat the Patriots straight up. They beat the Panthers straight up. Those are two quality teams that they took care of. They're not going to slow down the, the LA Rams coming off a buy and Sean, Mc, Sean McVay off the buy. Sean McVay off the bye? No, no. no. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the Rams are, are going to score 10 points or anything in this game. I think it's going to be a shootout. But it's one that, that Stafford can backdoor if he needs to. And he might not even need to. It might just be back and forth. It's not going to be Chiefs-Rams. But, you know, you might see a 38-35 final, something like that. Yeah, I, I just – for me, I just don't see the Lions competing and stopping them. I, I think you're right. Stafford will get some points. I just think the Rams are going to do whatever the heck they want to on offense. So in that scenario – I don't think they'll keep up. I'll take the Rams. The Rams, by the way, two and three 
uh, as a road favorite this season. So not necessarily as bad as you want to, as you think, uh, against the spread, just in terms of being a road favorite. And again, they are coming off the bye, so I will take the Rams in that spot. I, I'm, I'm going public with all my picks this week, so who knows how the hell it's going to end up. Uh, RJ. Hey, Brinson, they sent out some public, uh, the, the, the top picks already. Did you see that yesterday? Odd Shark did. I, how'd they get, I think how'd that, they get those? I think that was an accident. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, it was from the week before. Like, cause the Panthers were one of them and I, I like the Panthers. I saw that and I was like, well crap, it's definitely not going to cover. First two covered, I think. Could, right? Yeah. That the, did you see that, RJ? The consensus last week? No, they, they, some, they sent out consensus lines yesterday. No, I didn't see it. I think it was a mistake. Um, it had to be a mistake. Yeah, it had to be. We talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars before the show. RJ, back in the Jaguars plus a four. Yeah, so I worry about Jacksonville's motivation level. I, you know, the season's over. You know, they could they could quit. I've been saying for weeks. I've been going against them, saying they're quitters. Yada yada yada. I still don't get this line. Indy was minus three at home a couple weeks ago, and they pushed in that game. You know, it ended up right on on three, and it was a push. So now, if it was in Indy, they'd make it minus ten, even though Jacksonville's lost these couple games. That's way too many points to adjust over a couple weeks span. Hackett's play calling was atrocious. Kessler can't be any worse than Bortles. So this the offensive output you're going to get in this game at bare minimum is going to be at the same level, I think, what what that Colts game was. Um, Boye missed that first matchup. Ramsey, I was worried about him playing in this game. That, that That's what made me hesitate putting this in the contest. But he did practice on Thursday. So I, now I'm looking at maybe he does play. Now Luck's got to go up against Ramsey and Boye. It's a little bit tougher to throw the ball. It's not like he has a ton of options. He has tight ends falling down left and right. Jack Doyle's now in the the IR. So it's basically Eric Ebron or nothing at tight end. And we know how much he likes to use his tight end. Um, Indy's won five straight, so they have inflated value like the Bears. That Their value just keeps on inflating. Four of those were at home. Um, I have Indy tied for ninth in my power ratings, which I think is pretty pretty optimistic, pretty ambitious. Yeah, yeah. I team. I have Jacksonville's twenty fifth, which is pretty low, um, considering how many bad teams there are in the NFL. And my power ratings would still only make this line minus two and a half. So I think you're getting inflation on top of where the actual value of these teams are. And I like the spot better for Jacksonville. So plus four is too many. This line should be two and a half. Two. I'm, I love the Jacksonville when we're, when we're going through three with this line. Yeah, I wanted to take Jacksonville, but I, I'm with I, I'm scared of the motivation. I'll be honest with you. I, I I just am so scared of where their heads are, and and the injury to Norwell. That means that that offensive line is shouldn't even be in the league. You know, three fifths of that group shouldn't even be in the NFL, and they're going to be starting. Uh, that concerns me. I know Indy's not a great defense, but I look. I wanted to take Jacksonville with the four because I, I agree with a lot of things you said, RJ. I just can't do it. I'm not taking. I'm not taking four against Andrew Luck on the road. Do it. You have too many favorites this week. Do it. Switch your pick. No, I already put my picks in. By the way. Ooh. Okay. So who'd you have on uh, Thursday? Obviously the Saints. No. Oh, so you think that you said the Cowboys are going to win? I do. <laughs> Let's see how well it works out for you. Would you bet? Would you have? Uh, it won't matter. Nobody. Nobody can go back in time and bet the money line. You should tweet out before the game. Hey guys, subscribe to this podcast and bet the money line on the Cowboys tonight. No, I shouldn't. Why not? I don't want people to yell at me like they yell at you. Who yells at me? I get yelled at enough. The money line is plus two seventy, man. Mm. You should trying to take a money line against a one loss team. <laughs> I, I, I'm not getting. Fr- I'm not getting in front of the Saints. Uh, ever again. I'm not gonna, I mean, I think the Cowboys are gonna win the game, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you must not think that much then. Uh, moving along. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three and a half at home against the Carolina Panthers. This one is a pretty easy one to me because the Panthers stink on the road. They have been a terrible road team. Um, in, in, in general, they just have 
played awful. Cam has been miserable on the road. They're 1-4 against the spread. And if you go back and you look at the numbers for Cam in Tampa Bay, they've actually won three of their last four games in Raymond James Stadium. Um, but his numbers are bad. And I get that he's got a new offensive coordinator, and I get that the Buccaneers are a terrible defense. And I think that you could see Christian McCaffrey have a monster game. And Heath Cummings told you to play CMC uh, in DFS. But three and a half is too many points for a Panthers team that is not good in the red zone right now, that cannot stop uh, anybody in, in terms of the pass. And I expect Tampa to have chunk plays. And in a game with an over-under of 55 or higher, I, I will take the variance in the three and a half points. Pete? Yeah, I, I'm not taking the Bucks at home. I, look, I think this is going to be a great over. I mean, I think this one's going into the 60s. I do think that. But uh, I, I think Carolina's the better team. Uh, I think Tampa Bay... Look, they look good last week, but uh, Jameis did anyways. I just think Carolina's going to bounce back here as the better team, and I'll lay the three and a half on the road. Carolina D is just 26 overall, 27th against the pass. Tampa has the most yards, first downs in the NFL. Carolina has gotten a turnover in three games. I think they need to get turnovers to to win this game by more than three and a half, and Tampa might not give it away. They're a terrible turnover team all year, but they look like they got that in check last week against San Francisco. Jameis played well, um, controlled the ball. So if they can do that again, maybe only have one turnover, zero turnovers, I think Tampa can cover here. Pete, you, Pete, you mentioned it on the uh, best bets segment on sports – or the, the – uh, expert pick, excuse me, on Sportsline, you like the New England Patriots. Minus five against the Minnesota Vikings. Why? Because I think this is going to be a classic Bill Belichick-Tom Brady game. And the reason I say that is this. You look at the Vikings' run stats, they're very good against the run. They're not great against the pass. And I think this is going to be one of those games where Belichick says, you know what, we're not going to be stubborn here. We're not going to run into that defense. We're going to let like, Brady use the passing game as the run game. And I think he's going to throw the ball around and get points. And I think on the other side of the ball, the Vikings offensive line is not very good. And I think they're going to be able to, and I know the Packers, I mean, the Patriots aren't great rushing the passer, but I think there's going to be some things that Kirk Cousins is going to get, slow down his read a little bit. They're going to, with some stuff they do in the secondary, they're going to get after him. I like Brady to have a monster game here. I know that, that goes against the trend of this season, but I think this is going to be a Tom Brady game. I'm going to take the Vikings in this spot. Uh, you know, I just think that what they've done in recent weeks against opposing quarterbacks and opposing defenses, and you saw what they did against Aaron Rodgers, and I get that Aaron Rodgers is not Aaron Rodgers right now, um, but they have really done a good job bottling up some 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 good offenses, and I think that they can do the same with the Patriots who are going to try and run. I don't think Brady's going to play great. I'm a little worried about Brady's stats against the spread in December. He's very good. It is only five points, but I think this ultimately ends up being uh, a bit of a slog fest and, and sort of a slowdown game. Kirk Cousins can keep pace with them, and I think it comes down to a field goal. I don't see the Patriots blowing them out. I do see them winning, but I think I will take uh, Minnesota plus the five. You know who won? Who the Patriots beat by a field goal at home earlier this season? The Chiefs. Kansas City. Kansas City, and that that's a much better team than Minnesota. Much better, much, better, much better defense, of course, as everybody knows. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Actually, Chiefs defense is playing pretty well last few weeks. That Rams game notwithstanding, but we knew there wouldn't be any defense in that game. I think New England can score on a quality Minnesota defense at home. The Minnesota defense is just 23rd in points per drive, and Xavier Rhodes isn't practicing. That makes it an easier matchup for Brady 
Diggs is also missing practice, so we'll see how he is on Friday. Um, if he can't play or if he's limited, then that Minnesota passing game might be limited if, if they can just key on taking Adam Thielen away because the Minnesota rush offense has been terrible. You know, on the year, I think they're 32nd in, in rush DVOA. Um, so Minnesota can struggle on the road, 26 points per game allowed, even including the Jets blowout when they, they blew out the Jets. Um, so New England obviously is a much better offensive team than that. So I think New England can get to 30 here at home. And I don't know if Minnesota can keep up. So I would lay the five. I'm fine, fine with five. New England at home in December, just lay it. Uh, Pete and I disagree. I've got the Baltimore Ravens catching a point. RJ, uh, also, we have this as a three-point game, as in we put assigned a three to it. Pete assigned two to Atlanta. I like Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards, who was back at practice on Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons defense. They're probably getting, you know, Deion Jones is there, but I'm not that worried about it. I think Atlanta's probably packing it up and packing it in. And the, the Ravens know they are playing for their playoff lives. Lamar Jackson is playing to keep Joe Flacco on the sidelines as he steals his job for permanent permanent fashion and Marty Morningwig's done a really good job um, sort of getting this Ravens offense to be uh, not multiple but to, to make Lamar Jackson dangerous in different ways he's not perfect as a passer right now nobody would ever tell you that um, he's going to miss some throws that he should make he but, he but he can stand in the pocket a little bit and um, and I like uh, I like the Ravens to actually win this game outright Pete uh, look there, I'm impressed with what I've seen from Lamar Jackson. I'm excited to see him on the fast turf because we've seen him on grass. I want to see him on the fast turf. He's going to look like Michael Vick inside that place. But he's limited when it comes to how, what he does throwing the football, okay? And I think when you add that up with the Falcons being a much better team at home and they can score, and I know the Ravens are good on defense, but we saw what Carolina did to that defense a month ago. I think they're going to be able to score on that defense. So for me – uh, I, I will lay the point. I think the Falcons win the game outright and win it by, you know, maybe five, six, seven points in there. In order to score on the defense, you got to score in the red zone, and the Falcons just can't do that. They just get in their own way all the time, fumble the ball, all that kind of stuff. Um, I do agree that Lamar Jackson has some work pass, to do passing the ball, um, but that Michael Vick call was a great call in Atlanta. Um, I think he's going to look, you know, very Mike Vick-like in this game because the Atlanta there's going to be a defense that is able to shut down his running ability. And, and make him throw the ball and beat Baltimore that way. Atlanta is not that defense. They're the worst defense per DVOA. They're 30th in yards per carry. They're 31st in rush DVOA. Um, so I think he'll be able to do whatever he wants to on the ground. Gus Edwards, there was some kind of concern that he might not play when he didn't practice on Wednesday, but he returned to practice Thursday. So I think we're going to be optimistic there that that offense is going to be ready to go. The Baltimore defense is number one in points, yards, first down, net yards per attempt. They're number fifth in DVOA. And they could give Atlanta trouble. Atlanta season is might be is over obviously they might not play with max effort i think baltimore's energized to keep rolling with lamar jackson show that they don't need to put joe flacco back in the lineup next week when he's healthy so i think baltimore's a better version of cleveland who ran all over atlanta a few weeks ago and beat them pretty easily i think we see a similar game here uh green bay minus 13 and a half this is a green bay team a green bay offense frankly has looked primitive for most of the season and yet here we are with green bay favored by 13 and a half pete what are your thoughts Look, I hate laying big numbers. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. But I'm laying it. That Arizona team is, uh, I, I call, you know, I say the East Coast teams go to Aruba. The West Coast teams go to Cabo. They're on the beach in Cabo. Okay, <laughs> that's where they are. They're a mess in the secondary. I mean, and Packers are a mess in the secondary too. But they don't have, John, they don't have uh, Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball. I just think that this, this is going to be one of those games where back-to-back road games, dead team, limited offensively, 
Rodgers, with a lot of people talking about him, will light him up. I, I, I love the Packers in this spot. Packers are basically a dead team at this point, too. Who, no, no, they run the table, they're in. Who, no, 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 they won't be. That 9-6-1 and one at that point, I think he might need 10 wins. I think Seattle's good enough to get to 10. And, uh, yeah, they'll get in with 9-6-1, and one. you watch. I don't think so. So I, I wouldn't normally fade Green Bay at home, but I mean, 13 and a half, and it's, I think it's 14 on the market in most places. Um, but in the contest, they gave out 13 and a half. Who is Green Bay to be giving up that many points? They're not a great team. They're not part of the Rams, Chiefs, Saints tier. They're not even part of the second tier with the Vikings and Bears and those kind of teams, Steelers, you know, the look, Chargers. Those teams I can see laying this many points. Green Bay is at best, like right in the middle of the pack. You know, I, I think I have them in my power ratings at a, a, a straight zero, you know, no point, right around average. So Arizona, yes, they're a terrible team. They're one of the worst in the league. But I don't think you can make this line more than 10 with Green Bay with how they've played. Um, so Arizona's offense is worse in the league, but they can score 14 to 20 against a mediocre defense because this defense is banged up, like Daniel's still missing practice, Nick Perry on the IR, secondaries, members are hurt. So I think the Green Bay offense is going to be super conservative in the second half. They won't – when they need to extend the league and lead and cover, I think it's just going to be a – we're up 10, hand the ball to Aaron Jones, up the middle, and he gets tackled. They punt the ball away, and they win a game, you know, 6-10 to 10 pretty conservatively, and uh, they, don't, they don't come anywhere near covering this number. If, um, if the Packers run the table, the New York Times upshot playoff simulator gives them an 83% chance of making the playoffs, um, and uh, if, uh, if the Seahawks lose to the Chiefs and beat – and the Vikings beat the Seahawks – so if the Seahawks lose to two potentially better teams at home, which is possible, uh, it would be 92% chance that they get in. So, I mean, look, if they run the table at 9-6-1, I think that they'll be in a pretty good position. They are certainly not guaranteed. Well, they're going to have to win at Chicago, too. Let's not forget that. Sure. What about this, even, even the bad teams, but what about this team makes you think they're going to run the table? They're not part of that Chargers-Vikings, you know, top, second tier of teams. They've lost four of their last five. All four were on the road, sure, but they do have two road games. I don't yeah, know. And, one of, and, and they were at, at the Rams, at the Patriots, at the Seahawks, and at the Vikings. That's your four road games. Okay, they, and, and they beat the Bills. The 49ers, the Dolphins, all at home. Congratulations. Those are great wins. Good job, guys. Uh, they beat the Bears in that comeback at the, at the week one. That was a great win, but I mean, week one doesn't really matter at the, at this point of the season as far as um, forecasting what's going to happen. So I don't know that you have any good wins on the, on the, uh, the docket there, especially not on the road. Um, so at Jets, I'm not ready to count that as a win. You know, if Darnold comes back, he has a couple of decent <laughs> games, you know, Stop it, Stop it. the questions are around McCarthy's job. Packers will be favored on the road. I don't, you know, they could obviously crap the bed there and lose that. The Bears game is the one. If they win the Bears game, they have a legitimate chance to run the table. They're not going to run the table. They're not good enough to run the table. Eight and five is a home favorite in their, uh, last 13 games of uh, Ten points or more favorites. So, I mean, nothing, you know, nothing, uh, not a slam dunk. A lot of those games go over, under too, though. I, I just, I think that I think the Cardinals will get a couple of points, but I think it ends up looking like that Chargers game where, um, where the where the like they, they gave up, man. The Cardinals, the Cardinals ran David Johnson into the line over and over again in the fourth, third, and fourth quarter of that game because they just gave up. They're like, just all right, well, you got us. Melvin Gordon's hurt. We don't want to see our guys get hurt. Get us out of here. And if they do that, like if the Packers can get up 14 nothing or 21 nothing, it's over. If you're up, if you're up more than 14 points in the Cardinals, it's over. Game over. I think but how are they going to do that? They're not, they haven't been doing that. Their offense hasn't been going up 21 nothing on teams. Rogers, I think, Rogers I think has to get locked Aaron in. Rod, I think you're giving Aaron, Rod, Aaron Rodgers a great quarterback. I'm not going to come here and say Aaron Rodgers is a terrible quarterback at this point. Even, even injured, you know, he was playing through those games and playing well and keeping them in some games. But you're giving the, the team as a whole too much credit because of Aaron Rodgers. Yes, um, yes, if you, yes. If, 
take a guy that's playing the way he is, playing as well as he is. And in prime time, we saw he didn't make all those those great throws against the Vikings. You know, he he's, he struggled at times. Um, but so if you name him, you know, John Smith and show the performances that he's been playing, you would think completely different. I mean, he doesn't have the escapability he's had in the past. He's not running around as much. This offense doesn't look anything near how it has in the past. I think to win this game, they're going to have to just pound the ball with Aaron Jones, take take advantage of having a good rush offense, and that doesn't lend itself to carrying a big number. I don't care how how bad Arizona is. You know, oddly enough, um, I was going to th- like shove a bunch of stats, home road splits in your face. Uh, Aaron Rodgers 4-0-1 at home, 0-6 on the road this season. He his stats aren't that different. On uh, it's very odd. Like his yards per attempt is down from eight to seven point nine. Not bad. Uh, quarterback rating is actually higher on the road this season. Nine touchdowns to one interception. Eleven to zero. We talked about it before. I mean, is he just holding all of the ball and scared? I mean, he's just scared to check down, Pete. I mean, that really is it. He feels like that defense. He's got to do more so he doesn't take the check down. I agree. He does have twenty touchdown passes in one pick, by the way, and, and so make that twenty three and one after this week. Are you sure? Are you sure it's not one of those things that you always complain about, where he's not taking chances? No, you know, he sometimes takes too many chances. That's part of the problem. I feel like he's always throwing to the boundary. Like he's like throwing it. Like it's it's almost like the Mike Shula Cam Newton offenses, where he stands in, he stands in, he waits, he's waiting for somebody to get open. If it doesn't work out, he tries to put it in a tight window. He got brutalized the other night. They were hitting him all night. I mean, my God, right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care who you are. You weren't going to Cardinals. And, and, man, I'm getting worried about this. Cardinals pass rush is good too. And the hidden, I was just about to make that point. The hidden factor in this game is David Bakhtiari isn't practicing. So if you have a replacement left tackle out there against Chandler Jones, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to get hit a couple times, and and we'll see how how comfortable he is in the pocket in the second half, trying to trying to extend this they're lead. Up corner, but they're picking up cornerbacks off the scrap heap. Their offensive line is atrocious, and I don't think they're motivated. Look, I think this is a relatively easy pick, to be honest with you. I could be wrong, but I think this is easy pick. Is this in your is this in your contest picks? Yep. So who you have Atlanta. Green Bay, you had Dallas, and have we already named the other ones? Or you, these, the, the Chargers. Ones? Chargers and? And who is my other one? Chargers and? Patriots. Chargers and? Chargers and? That's a Super Troopers joke. I'm sure you got that, Pete. By the way, Robert Kandichi has been playing pretty well uh, lately, hadn't he? Okay. Better than? Where he was drafted? Okay. Right. Playing okay for where he was drafted. That's fair. Okay, moving along to the whatever, whatever. Whatever whatever, 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 whatever. I do what I want. Whatever, whatever. That's a South Park joke, too. I'm sure people got that. Miami minus four and a half. Man, I do not give one crap about this game. Pete does, though. He ranked Miami as a two. Minus four and a half against the, your boy, Josh Allen. Yeah, I don't, look, I don't love this game because I think it's a high number for these two, but if I had to pick it, I'd pick Miami. It's two bad teams. Just like. <laughs> Buffalo's defense is playing too well to expect Miami to score a bunch. I think, and Buffalo is just going to keep this game closer. So, as long as Buffalo doesn't have stupid turnovers, which of course they could do with that offense, um, I, I think this is a close game. And just take the points. Two bad teams. That's where I lean to. They could go either way. Don't put this in your. Don't 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 bet on this game, guys. What's the over under of this game? I think it was around forty. Mm. You like the under on this, RJ? Uh, yeah. You going to make yeah. it make it one of your sports sign picks? You don't have to tell me. If anybody wants to check them out, you can go to sportsline.com. Use promo code white to sign up. Get your first month for $1 and you will get RJ's picks. RJ hot right now. I gotta not gonna lie, RJ. You know who's hotter than you? Should probably... Hartstein. Larry Hartstein. He's having a great season. He is having a good, quietly great season. Is he doing well in the super contest? Uh, yeah. Um, he's, I want to say, 
pretty close to to the the three points per week trend that I try to stay on. He might be 35, 35 and a half, somewhere around there. So he's definitely in the mix. What happens? We're all, to- we're all toast in the super contest, right? We we are. Yes, we are. But here's what what would you are you willing to sacrifice not making the money? And obviously the answer is no. But this is a little we're not sim- making the money. Just a little silver lining here for you, Pete. Pretty good chance that we all catch Nick Costas. I already caught Nick. I know. Pete's half a point behind him. I'm like one and a half points behind him. He's at 31. What are you, tied with Nick now, RJ? Yeah. I'm tied with Nick because he had a he had a 0 and 5 week, but he's the kind of guy who doesn't like string together 0 and 5. He's going to have a good week here. So I need to have a good week too so I can stay stay on pace with him. Um, um, so even if we went 5 and 0 the rest of the week, we're not making the money. Uh, oh, yeah. If you went 5 and 0 for five straight weeks, you would make the money. Well, here it comes. <laughs> Well, I hope that uh, I hope that everybody. I've had one bad week in the last five. One bad one. I was one and four. If I was, if I had one and four, I'd be like, who knows? One and four. If you'd gone four and one instead, you'd have uh, thirty-four, thirty-three and a half points. And you would I be? In, would that be close to the money? No, no, no. not at all. Um, We're having bad seasons, boys. We are having bad seasons. It's been a weird year for the NFL. Uh, that little that stretch of like the the public covering really really did oh, everybody wow. in. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Everybody got money. That's fine. Cincinnati plus four and a half. Everybody has this as a one. I have Cincinnati. RJ has Cincinnati. Pete has Denver. Um, don't love it. Don't love it. Don't love it. Four and a half points. I do not love it. But I, if I'm taking one of those two teams, I ain't taking Jeff Driscoll. Okay, <laughs> I'll take the Broncos. That's a that's a compelling argument. My logic for this is basically anti logic in that everyone is on the Broncos and everybody thinks the Broncos are riding high and they're about to make a move and the Bengals stink. And look, the Bengals do stink. AJ Green's back. I think they'll put up at least a half decent effort in this to try and salvage one win one for Hugh at home is my logic here. The look ahead was Cincinnati minus two and a half. That now is crazy. That is crazy. Denver minus four and a half. Is Andy Dalton worth seven points? No, no, absolutely not. So take Cincy. That's and I'm not putting it high. You know, I don't, I don't have any confidence in Jeff Driscoll, but my my math says Andy Dalton isn't worth seven points, so I'm taking Cincy. All right, segment four. There are only three games we agree on this week, including even the best bets. Um, but we didn't have any agreements. That's surprising. These are called the losers. Uh, first up, we all like Tennessee as a one play, meaning we don't like it. Minus seven and a half against the Jets. I was surprised that you guys also like the Titans. Um, they're coming off a Monday night game where they look bad, got embarrassed by a good team. My theory, uh, RJ, is that they are playing a much worse team in the Jets and that their defense will step up here. You would think so. And I don't get Tennessee. They blew out New England, but they get blown out by Indian Houston. That just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Tennessee is a much better team at home. Of course, that New England game was at home. They're going to play their four of their last five at home, so maybe they do look a little better from here on out. The Jets blew out Detroit in week one in Detroit, and then they scored 17, 12, 10, and 6 on the road. Considering we don't know who's playing quarterback with both those guys limited, you know, I don't, I don't see how you can take the Jets here unless you think the Titans are going to score 10 points, you know, and Absolutely. Yeah, 10 3. Absolutely. So in your, if you're, out there, you know, you have a picks contest. Just throw the Tennessee in low if they have a confidence pool. Put them low. Um, they're going to win this game. Uh, I think they're going to cover because I think they can get to 16 to 20 points on the Jets, and that should be enough. I'm with you. Kansas City, minus 14 and a half. Uh, Nick Costos, not here for this. Offended that he wasn't here for this. So I'm going to need you guys to uh, sing with me, if that's okay. Ready? One, two, three. No. Andy Reid, off the bye. Andy Reid, off, off the bye. Andy Reid, off the bye. Way to go, RJ. Thank you. Um, Pete, shame on you for not having more fun with your life. 
Kansas City minus 14. That's a ton of fun. I'm just not singing a stupid song that you two made up. Right. It's a tradition here on the Pick 6 podcast. Kansas City minus 14 and a half. My, again, look, it, it boils down to Andy Reid off the bye, and the Raiders are terrible. The Chiefs, last we saw them, they lost uh, on the road on Monday Night Football against the Rams. They've had two weeks to prepare. Oakland is packing it in and, and heading out of there, and I just think this is a name-your-price number for Kansas City. I'm a little concerned that the game is on the road. It is a historical road favorite, but I am half-tempted to put this in as one of my super contest picks and just watch the Chiefs go up 35 nothing in the first half and just try and hold them off from scoring 21 points, which I think they can do. Yeah, if you're worried, I, I, love, I think the Chiefs are going to go up and down the field. The, the, this is a Cabo game for the Raiders. They they played a little bit last week. They're in Cabo this week. Chiefs blow them out. Yeah, if you're worried about o- Oakland, you know, have in garbage time, you know, in the back door. I just played the first half line. It's nine and a half. Um, I don't see how the Chiefs don't go into halftime with at least a ten point lead in this game. Yeah, uh, easy easy pick for everyone involved here. And then finally, Pete, Seattle Seahawks. You're laying a nine and nine and a half points with your. Your main man, your main squeeze, your favorite quarterback of all time, Russell Wilson. He's playing good football. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And and you know what? Nick Mullins isn't. <laughs> and, and they're on back-to-back road games. They they gave up a ton of yards last week. I think Wilson's going to throw the football. I think they'll run the football. I think they'll do whatever the hell they want in that game. Uh, I'm laying the big big number. Yeah, I like it too. I might put it in the contest. It's, the line seems high, but – Seattle's played a ton on the road. They're better than we've seen. You know, they're going to get a lot of games at home to close out the year. And I think they're going to make a nice little run. They're going to end up with 10 or 11 wins. And people are going to say like, Oh my God, I didn't realize since Seattle was this good. Um, so yeah, I, I, nine and a half about where I think the line should be. And I think they cover San Fran's a bad road team. Yeah, I do too. Um, and if you look at the, you know, the, the, the bet percentage is a little concerning. It's like, um, 32% of the bets on San Francisco, 62% of the money, and there's already a decent number of bets in there. But I think when you look at Russell Wilson and how he plays in the month of November, I mean the month of December, excuse me, it's one of his best months. Uh, he's really just he's a good quarterback in general. Uh, but, you know, 19 and 8, uh, you know, 64% completion percentage, 54 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. He is starting to get going. They're opening up the offense a little bit more. They, they really restricted his passing. And I think that you see Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. This reminds me of, I think it was 2012 when the 49ers came in with Jim Harbaugh. And the, I don't think the Seahawks team is as good as that, but I think the 49ers this year are much worse. And the Seahawks just kind of, like it was their coming out party, and they busted out the read option in that game, but they don't have to. They won't have to do that in this game. Russell will be able to throw the ball all over the place. I think he has a the type of game that gets him uh, put into the MVP discussion, not the not the not not the vote, just the, the vote, but the discussion. He's in the discussion now. I think there's six guys in the discussion right now. Uh, the Breeze and Mahomes are by far and away the two favorites. One of them Girly, will win. Gurley, Goff, no, Luck, please. and no, Wilson. No, 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 no. Girly, you didn't mention Philip Rivers. That was a mistake. And Rivers. It's Mahomes and Breeze are the top two, and one of them is going to win. Then it's Rivers, Goff, Luck, uh, and Wilson are the only guys that are worthy of the discussion. Not Gurley. No, not Gurley. Okay. Any any stud running back could do what Todd Gurley's doing. <laughs> okay. Send that out on Twitter, just like I did last week when I said Fred Taylor is better than uh, Todd Gurley and see what the, the, the Curly Colt does to you. But did Mike Gurley, did, did Mike Gurley, did Todd Gurley retweet that? No, I don't know where, where they came from, but they got all over me. Um, I, I mean, I just think, so like Melvin Gordon, for instance, if you took a, obviously a healthy Melvin Gordon and put him in 
in place of Todd Gurley, I think they would have the same stats. Well, running backs are all interchangeable, but doesn't mean that you got to discount what he's done. Hey, we didn't talk about this beat when the Giants came on, and I know that we're, we're running a little bit long here. RJ has to go to a meeting, but um, what uh, what do you think about Eli Manning for the Giants' quarterback next year? It might be. Oh my god, what a mistake! It might be. You like it? I mean, what are you going to do? Not draft Saquon draft Barkley. The guy, are they going to play him right away? Not draft Saquon Barkley and draft a running draft a quarterback at number two last year. That's what you did. Yeah, that was brilliant. Well, you don't take running backs in the top 10. That's at least I don't. <laughs> sure don't. All right. That's it. Uh, our top picks, the consensus, none of our best bets made it. Interesting. Seattle, eight points. Uh, Seattle minus nine and a half gets eight points. Kansas City minus 14 and a half gets seven points. Green Bay minus 13 and a half gets four points. Baltimore plus one gets four points. And Tennessee minus seven and a half against the Jets gets three points. Those are our, that's the Fadem Parlay special. So bet, uh, San Francisco, Oakland, Arizona, Atlanta, New York. Got a million dollars on a parlay, and you can retire. You're welcome. You have to give us 10% of whatever you earn. However, follow RJ White on Twitter, at White one Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Pod. We have funny, hilarious uh, smack chats every week on, uh, on on the old Twitters. We also do uh, Facebook watches, and you can check us out on Instagram, maybe. Um, either way, uh, and follow Pete Prisco at CBS. Thanks, guys. See ya.